0: Irreverent, entertaining,
1: cool, you're listening to L.A. Talk Radio.
0: You're listening to the Horse Ownership Experience with Billy Koch and Michelle
2: Yu, right here on L.A. Talk Radio. Midnight Storm, a brilliantly fast grade one winner by Pioneer of the Nile.
3: Mike Smith just points him in the right direction. Midnight Storm
0: dominating.
2: Millionaire and seven-time graded stakes winner on dirt and turf.
0: Midnight Storm over Accelerators finding the line well, but not well enough. And Midnight Storm has taken it by two lengths.
2: From America's hottest sire line.
1: Midnight Storm, he wins it this year.
2: Midnight Storm, standing at Taylor
3: Made Farm. Great. Storm winner on turf and turf, standing at Taylor made stallions. Call Travis White, 859-885-3345 to book your mare to Midnight Storm, or one of the many stallions they have there, including California Chrome, Mishawish, Not This Time, et cetera. I'm probably missing one, but that's okay. I'm Billy Koch. I'm the founder and managing partner of the Little Red Feather Racing Club. This is the Horse Ownership Experience for a Tuesday, uh, May 14th. It is Preakness Week. Get your precon, Michelle, you.
4: <laughs> Thanks, hey, Billy. <laughs> What's up? Not much. It's my brother's birthday, so happy birthday to him.
3: Happy birthday. Uh, mom is listening.
4: Oh, she- hello. What did you do for your mom for Mother's Day?
3: <laughs> we had a great day. We went to the racetrack. Uh-huh. Um, and spent the day in the LRF suite, which was very nice. Were uh, there
4: shots to be had?
3: There were no shots. There was oh. a little uh, beer drinking, okay. um, but no shots. We, we what does a- mom
4: like to drink?
3: She drank a couple of Bloody Marys. Okay. Yeah, and she had a, a Bellini, I believe.
4: Oh, yum. They'll make yeah. you a Bellini in your suite? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, that's nice.
3: Oh, yeah. We had an interesting day, Michelle. Uh, we ran fifth with Scrambled, and you claimed him. <sighs> Which was I
4: did not so, claim which him. Put
3: me, which put me in a little bit of a sticky situation since we are very, very close friends.
4: We are, but that is why well, that's not one reason. I mean, kind of. I didn't say anything because I've previously not claimed a horse from you and you told me it's okay yes. if you claim a horse from us. I do and I would I don't want to ask like should i claim this horse because that puts you in an even worse situation and it wasn't like for me and ryan ourselves because you know i run every horse that we claim for ourselves by you regardless of who it is this was a last minute thing for an outside owner
3: yeah well i hope he's doing well and obviously we wish you the absolute best uh but it was a great day because opus one in her 2019 debut uh won the last race a very nice maiden win and I think she's a three year old cowbred filly that uh has an up arrow next to her name.
4: You love that family.
3: I love that family. She's from the family of Marquis Water. But then did been... you
4: buy her or breed her?
3: We bought her privately from uh Tom McCrocklin and Frank Mermanstein, who okay. uh who who owned the mayor Russian River and we campaigned Russian River.
4: You, oh, I didn't know that.
3: Yeah, you... the mom. Oh. Yes. Rush oh, I never told you the Martine Garcia story? No. Friday night at Hollywood Park and and Russian River's running and she's a big favorite. And he comes into the paddock and Mike, the late Mike Mitchell's there and Mike looks at him and he says, just win. And Martine looks at him and he goes, I'm going to say, adios, amigos. <laughs> and, uh, and so around the far turn, he made this big move and she crushed. I mean, she won by like five. It was not, you know, it was, but she was a big favorite. But anyway, so he comes into the Hollywood Park, uh, Winter Circle, and you know how they come down that kind of hill as they enter yeah. the Winter Circle, and he goes, "I told you, I say adios, amigos." <laughs> He's very funny. Oh boy, so, that was Russian River. But anyway, listen, we have a great show today. We have uh, Joe Christophe. Am I saying that right, Christophe? Yes. Now Joe it, it does like he does announcing all at. Churchill yeah, he's
4: their, He's Churchill Downs' simulcast um, host, so he does like my job at Churchill. We've right. worked together on Breeders' Cup. Uh, he does Fairgrounds, I believe, and um, he does Kentucky Downs, and but he is part of this Brilliant Racing, and he was actually one of the founders of it.
3: Okay, um, so it's a and new They had racing. a winner the other day. It's a new racing partnership named Brilliant Racing, mm-hmm. so we're going to find out about that. You know I'm into the partnership model, so we're going to find all about all about uh, brilliant racing here with Joe Christofak coming up in about 10 minutes. Michelle, we had some uh, big races over the weekend and we have one well, we have a lot of big races to look forward to but the the Preakness, I mean, are you excited?
4: Yeah, I I mean yes, right, it's the second leg of the Triple Crown I feel bad for the Preakness right now because I feel like... (sighs) because it doesn't have the official and quote unquote unofficial winner in it that people are saying like, Oh, it's just not important, but it's got a super competitive field. It's going to be a fully subscribed race. And I feel like there's horses that in their own right are headliners, you know, like look at going into Derby improbable war of will. I think, Even going leading up to the time, another twist of fate was high on everyone's radars, uh, Bourbon War. These are horses people were talking about, and just because they didn't win the Derby doesn't make them not great contenders.
3: I agree. I think it's a really actually interesting race. I think it's a good betting race. I think there's a stat, and I don't have it in front of me. Michelle, maybe you will know that Derby winners generally, I mean, I'm sorry, horses that run in the Derby generally win the Preakness, isn't that? There's some crazy stat that I just escapes my mind right now. Um, it's, my mind is very small. Uh, but yes, I, I agree with you. I think it, it has some really, I haven't looked at at numbers or I haven't done kind of all my homework yet, but I've always been in an, another twist of fate fan. I know there's mm-hmm. like two shooters. Um, I think, uh, the horse, the, the horse that won the uh, Tessio always smart, always, always
4: mining. Yeah.
3: He's a nice horse. Um, Warriors charge for Brett Cox. He gets so top he's bottom. interesting
4: because he is just an allowance winner, and he was not nominated to the Triple Crown. So his owners are putting up a hundred and fifty thousand dollars to late supplement a horse, wh- late hey, like supplement that. him to the last two legs.
3: Hey, Have you ever done that? No, no. I What I, would I,
4: you do if you had like a like really great horse going to the Breeders' Cup, and say you would say you'd won? Say it was fashion business, oh, right? And you won oh, you're in, and you didn't nominate. Would you? Yeah. Put up the supplement? Uh,
3: You know, only if I thought I had a realistic chance, right? You have to weigh those options. We're not going to – my whole theory is always we're not going to run in a race just to run in the race. You know, I really – listen, I would love to be in the Kentucky Derby. That's a dream of mine. It hasn't happened yet. Um, But I I, I don't want – necessarily want to go with like a 90-to-1 shot even though, you know, we saw what happened with Country House and horses like Giacomo – yeah, I, I if if we have a realistic shot, or at least in our minds, a realistic shot of competing, then then we would go. But in the Breeders' Cup, yeah, you you have to weigh the, all the financials. Well, like
4: take, I mean, take take Derby because that's a good example. There's all these horses in the field that maybe shouldn't be there, and like, okay, you're late nominated. Say you qualify on points, but like you haven't won a race all year, and it's I mean, how, what's the entry fee for Derby? Like that's a huge investment
3: absolutely and you have you you take that into account and you really you know look it's one thing to run in the derby it's another thing to be 60 to 1 and run dead last you know it's like i don't know how fun that is i'm not sure i my my experience says that yes sometimes it's great to go on a trip and travel and take your horse and show them off and try to win a big race but other times you know, you don't you don't win finishing the money, and you don't ain't earn a cent. And all of a sudden, that trip costs you forty or fifty thousand dollars. You know, not everyone's so happy. Right. So, um, I, I think there's always a, a fine line when to do it. And it, kudos to them. And you don't know the financial situation of of the of the owners either. Right. I mean, right. If a hundred a hundred and fifty thousand to you and me, Michelle is a lot different than a hundred and fifty thousand to a billionaire. Right. Right. So. Right. Um, everything has to be weighed and, uh, I wish them the best of luck. So, uh, we'll, we'll There's- talk more about the Preakness, but what, what else? We had some uh, good races this week, didn't we, Michelle?
4: Yeah. Um, the man of war was a really good race for Aiden O'Brien even sent over two horses, but it was a American horse that was winning that one. And I thought he did it in really impressive style off the pace.
3: I think you're talking about channel maker. Yes. Their own, and Dean Reeves, I think, owns a big piece of that horse. Dean has been a, oh, on yeah, our he show. Does. Yeah, he's a good good friend of the show. And uh, congratulations to him. Uh, sat a perfect trip and uh, took over. And he, Channelmakers turned into a really, really nice horse, long distance. And that was a $700,000 grade one. Can I, mean, I just
4: say, I, I got to give a ton of props, even though he didn't end up winning the race, was to Golden Horn, because he did the dirty work. I mean to ship over here and just go kind of guns a-blazing or hunting horn excuse me uh guns a-blazing the say. way he did I thought was a really good yeah right so
3: I thought it was you like you said that because I was like I thought it was hunting horn are there two horns <laughs> oh no I just screwed that up that's okay you know what nobody's perfect Michelle I've been listening to a lot of podcasts Michelle and it's interesting when you listen to the shows uh the when you hear other people talk i can only imagine what people must say when they hear us talk like i start thinking about our banter and uh and
4: do you like it or you don't like it i
3: do like it i think you know what you i just think you don't like are? it
4: today cuz you're angry at me
3: i'm not angry at you get over that um but it's funny because i've listened to a lot of like game of thrones um podcasts and i listen listened to a lot of sports <laughs> podcasts and some <laughs> of them are some are pretty like they're kind of boring a little bit cuz they just They're like monotone, and then they did this, and then they did this. And we, I think, have fun, and I think that's why people like the show. Like Dale, my buddy's listening. He just texted me. Uh, Obviously, you know, my mom loves the show. That's her new favorite thing to do on Tuesdays at noon on LA Talk Radio, listen to the Horse Ownership Experience. So um, I just like it. No, I I appreciate all you do and what you bring to the table, and I think, you know, you know that I think you're great, and uh, let's have fun.
4: Sounds like you're going to fire me right now.
3: No. Well, is that okay. like, the what's that called when the, the coach gets the, um, uh, goodness gracious, you know, a coach gets, the the owner says how great the coach is doing, and then they get fired. Yeah. Yeah. The, you're not getting fired. Okay. okay. Uh, but we are going to have Joe uh, Christopher. Christopher from Brilliant Racing call in about four minutes. So what else we got going
0: on?
4: Okay. So it was also the vagrancy, which went to heaven has my Nikki. I actually didn't watch this race, but this is a Ron Luch horse that he has been, I think she's entered like every race known to man. Um, this might've been her first race that she won. I'm not even sure, but like, oh, no, I feel
3: like a, she won a a small stake before this with a, with a big buyer number and she's getting better and better. And she's, I imagine she'll probably run against uh midnight Bisou and some of the others who end up going for the big race in New York, the, um, on, on Belmont day. The,
4: uh, Beldame or the Ogden Phipps, one August of the two.
3: Phipps. August the August Phipps.
4: Phipps. Uh well she did beat Separation of Powers, who I'm pretty sure was a heavy favorite for Chad Brown.
3: Yeah. Well Luch, you know, Looch, look, you're gonna you, Looch you takes just, swings. He takes swings. He puts his money where his mouth is. You can say what he want. you want. Um, you know, he's big on Twitter. Uh, but he, he does take swings and, and anybody who puts their own money up the way he does, I'm not going to complain. I know how Mm -hmm. hard this business is and this game is and how tough it is to win races. He's, he's, he's bullish on his horses. He puts them in, you know, even if they're 70, 80 to one, he don't care. And, uh, you know, he's like the honey badger. Honey badger (laughs) don't care.
4: So I don't think that's the proper line, but we, we will remain PC on the show. Um, yeah, I think it's like honey badger don't give a bad word oh give a shit i think it was the f word but it could oh really shit oh, yeah sorry mom sorry. <laughs> um the santa barbara stakes at santa anita went to cause for commotion she was runner up last year and she looked dazzling oh, i thought in, in this one
3: yeah dominant um a really really incredible effort by her not a, not the strongest field in the world for the santa barbara mm-hmm. uh, but uh she was she was very very good 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 someone follow
4: um and then the peter pan which used to be like a derby prep type race now i guess it's going to be a belmont prep uh was won by global campaign for stanley huff okay and sagamore farm and winstar farm
3: man winstar they're just involved in everything aren't they michelle
4: well, you know, what's funny is like not only are they just involved in everything on the racetrack, but then it's like people send their horses there for layup and everything else. So you have know you... they had that great picture of Omaha Beach and Monomoy girl out grazing.
3: amazing. Have you been there?
4: I have been to Windstar, and I have I toured their their training facility, but it was probably five years ago. So it was like before the grass uphill was put in or I didn't oh. see the grass uphill at the time anyways, I just saw the poly track. And, I mean, the facility was amazing. You know, we saw. Yeah, all the extra stuff they have, and it's it's crazy like, really crazy.
3: Do you watch Game of Thrones? Did we talk about that?
4: I do not. I read all the books, but I did not, I have not watched a single show.
3: All right, well, here's what we're gonna do we're gonna have uh Ronan, if you're listening, call Joe, get Joe Kristafek on the phone from Brilliant Racing. And um, I've been to Windstar Michelle in the past couple years, and it is absolutely gorgeous. I don't, I don't really have words that can describe it. Hey Joe, Joey Decay. Hello,
0: what's up? Hey, what is Billy, Co-
3: going on? It's Billy Koch and Michelle Yu. You're live on the Horse Ownership Experience here on LA Talk Radio. Thanks so much for joining us.
0: Uh, it's great to be with you guys.
3: I think I ran into you last week at the at Oaks Day.
0: Yeah, I ran. In, uh, we crossed paths. Like it, it's one of those things where you know Oaks Derby. You know, the whole couple weeks leading up to it is all a blur. But man, it was. Uh, Great experience as always. I wish Mother Nature would have uh, cooperated a little bit more, but still a heck of a lot of fun and obviously the controversial results you know we'll we'll never forget it. that's for sure.
3: We will never forget it. and before we talk, we're going to talk to you about a lot of things and we want to talk about brilliant racing. That's the whole point of this podcast today. but we, uh, let's get your quick take on the derby what what was your thoughts, feelings DQ, the whole thing? <laughs>
0: Um, it's, it's just disappointing, man. I never thought I would see, uh, uh, I never thought I would see a, a disqualification in the Derby. Um, I picked maximum security it cost me a little bit of money. Uh, you know, we could talk about it for, we could talk about it, you know, from a bunch of different angles. Um, I was just disappointed. I thought I would never see a disqualification in the Derby. Circumstantially, I thought it was a tough call. I wish the stewards would have handled it a little bit better from the start to finish. And uh, at, at this
3: moment,
0: I think you just kind of have to move on from it.
3: Yeah, we're all moving on. We're all tired of it. But so let's let's talk a little bit about Brilliant Racing. Is this your first venture into horse ownership? How did this get started? Um, I, I um, thanks. I've done.
0: I've owned some horses in the past in Chicago uh, on my own and partnerships, but never really had the experience of kind of having control of it. Meaning, you know, you you know this, Billy and Michelle, picking the horses, just being intimately involved in the whole process, uh, watching the horses. And we do the two year old in training sales, you know, watching them from the time you send them you know, to, to get a little bit of turnout before they go to the track to the time they make it to the track to the time they get their first published workout, just the whole journey from the sale all the way till they make their first start until they win for the first time, you know, it's, it's just an incredible experience. And, you know, I wanted to be able to to do that. I wanted to be able to spear at it, uh, be involved with people that are equally as passionate as I am about it. And, uh, you know, like you do the, the same thing, Billy, it's about making horse ownership affordable. You know, it's it's difficult to get involved. You got to trust the people you're getting involved with. And uh, we want to bring all that to the table. So it's been a fun adventure so far. And uh, we just picked up a couple babies at OBS and uh, looking forward to seeing how they progress moving forward. and. You know, just just continue the journey. There's a lot more downs and ups, but man, the ups are really high. (laughs) Tell us a little
3: bit about your team, Joe.
0: All right. So um, my girlfriend, Natalie Gills, is a horse person. She always has been. She has gotten more involved in racing in the last couple of years. And her and I had talked about owning horses together. Brandon Stalbel, who's a private clocker at Churchill, who Highly impressed me in the first couple months and years that I knew him. He and I had talked about owning horses together. So literally one night over a few beers and some dinner, we sat down, talked about how we can make this happen, conceptualized it. And uh, we started Brilliant Racing 1 last winter, um, raised over a quarter of a million dollars, bought two two two-year-olds in training, bought a claimer bought another claimer and uh this past January we started Brilliant Racing too. Um I think Natalie has a great eye for a horse. And I think Brandon has a great eye for a horse and he also has a great eye for, you know being a clocker that side of it. So you know they do most of the horse stuff when it comes to picking off the prospects. I do a lot of the pedigree work even still and we just we we really make a good team. Kind of a little bit learning on the fly. I mean, we all knew what we were getting involved in, but there's nothing like the experience from, you know, the two-year-old sales to the whole process and learning how to manage your horses correctly, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I just think we've got a good, young, passionate team in place and uh, people that, you know, really, really work hard at what they're doing.
4: You mentioned the capital that you raised. Who did you get involved in uh, Brilliant Racing 1, and how did you go about sourcing these people?
0: Um, You know, we just kind of put the word out there. Uh, A lot of it comes from personal relationships, other people that you knew that wanted to own horses. um, You know, just doing some basic promotion on Twitter, Facebook, getting the word out there, building a website, building a Facebook page. You know, I think we did a really good job with our promotional materials. Uh, Transparency is a big thing when it comes to horse ownership. Letting people know exactly what they're getting into, you know, what all the costs are that are involved in it. Uh, You know, picking good trainers that you have good relationships with on many levels. Uh, And just, you know, if somebody's interested, kind of just talking them through the process. And, you know, when you start something that doesn't exist, you got to have the trust from the people that are getting involved. Um, I think we built up that trust pretty quickly. And I think that we're, you know, very proud of the communication we have with our members when it comes to private Facebook page, regular emails, get-togethers at the track, visits to the barn, visits to you know, the, the training center, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, every partner, whether they're in for one unit or 10 units, they're treated equally. And that's what it's all about.
3: Yeah, Joe, Joe Christofek joining us from brilliant, brilliant Racing here in the Horse Ownership Experience. Joe, talk to us a little bit about the structure. Obviously, I have a partnership in Little Red Feather. There's other big partnerships out there. Uh, kind of a two-part question. Uh, one, did you look at some of these other partnerships and and take a little bit about what you like from them? And two, what is the actual structure of Brilliant Racing as far as uh, expenses, uh, distributions, that kind of thing?
0: Yeah. So our structure, and yeah, I mean, I think you take a little bit away from everybody. I think, like I said earlier, I think it's important that people trust what you're doing. So. You know, and I also think, you know, it's nice when you can make an investment and you're involved in more than one horse and your bills are basically paid for a year. So in our partnership, it's 2500 for the year. We purchase two two-year-olds in training and then we claim a horse as well. So, you know, we, we claim a horse because you never know how long it's going to take the 2 year olds. To get to the track, develop. We want people to have action as soon as possible, uh, you know. And we we build in all of the expenses, training, vet, barrier, transportation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously, there's a lot of cost involved in owning a horse. Um, so you know, and we know what our budget is. You know, when you you, you collect a little more than a quarter of a million, we had about a hundred thousand to spend on two-year-olds and about twenty-five thousand is spent on a claimer, you know. At the eleven-month period, we evaluate where we are with the horses, have them appraised, and you know, there's always the potential for a cash call. Um, luckily, we just won a race this past weekend, so we're in pretty good shape. We haven't had to go back to the partners for more money. The goal <laughs> is to never have to do that. Uh, so you just kind of have to wait and see. But we love the way we structure it because. We give people interest in more than one horse, and you know if one is laid up, or you lose one via the claim, or they take a little bit of time to develop, you always have something running. Uh,
4: I, I saw you guys bought a couple at OBS, and I liked your danza a lot. What is your goals when you're at the sales buying? Are you trying to find like a you know, derby type, or are you just really looking for the best thing that you can afford and that can be running?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we're looking for value. I mean, uh, we have a partner, Sam Aguiar, who went half with us on the Colt. We would have actually paid probably 100000 for him. We got got him for sixty two. so you're very happy about that. Uh, I mentioned Natalie and Brandon earlier. They're absolutely nuts. They were there from the first day of the sale, uh, first day of the Breeze show. Uh, Brandon was clocking every Breeze. Natalie's there, like uh, evaluating their strides, you know, going back to um, the the barns for you know, evaluations of the horses, making a gigantic list into a shorter list, into a shorter list based on what you feel like you can afford. I mean, I can't stress enough how much time and effort and patience they put into it. I mean, you know, Billy, if you if somebody goes to the sale, you guys, and, you know, they've got an order to fill and they can buy 10 horses and they've got a $1.5 million budget, they might go about it a little bit differently. we got two bullets to fire, man. Right. We're out there putting in as much hard work as we can to try to get the best buys for our money, and you know, we think we've done pretty well with that the first two years.
3: It it sounds like it.
4: uh, Because you raise your capital beforehand and then buy the horses with it instead of a lot of these partnerships which purchase the horse and then sell off shares. Do you have some of your uh, partners that would are interested in what you're looking at or like, hey, send me the short list or want to come and watch the process?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And yeah, I mean, we try to keep it as private as possible, but you have some passionate people in your group that, you know, they want to be in the loop and they want to be a part of it. So you might tell them last minute, we're going in the ring for this horse so they can watch online and be a part of it and be excited about it. I mean, when somebody's never done this before and you get them involved for the first time, I mean, whether you're not, whether or not you're in the sales ring or watching the sale online, I mean, there's no excitement like that. Uh, Sometimes you go in there thinking you might get a horse for 80 and they go for 320 and you're never in the game. And then other times you go in there thinking, well, this one's worth a hundred and you pull out for 62,000 and, you know, Yeah, sometimes, right. You do, but you know, that's all part of it. And there's, there's always reasons why some people are bidding and other people aren't. And we have every horse that we're considering the betting, uh, bidding, betted, And, you know, we really, we're really meticulous about it. So yeah, we involved. We involve a percentage of our partners that really want to be uh, involved in that respect because I think it builds their excitement, but we don't give them too much advance notice.
3: Sam and Janelle are great partners to have. You've done well there. I know them very well. We've been partners with them. Great people, Joe. So congratulations on that. Um, You you talked about, and Michelle mentioned it, about raising money prior. Where are the margins? I mean, you're not doing this for free. How does Brilliant Racing make money?
0: Yeah, well, Brandon and Natalie are officially the managing partners, so uh, they get 5% of the, like a 5% commission on the horses that are bought based on the sales prices. Um, There's a, I think, $300 administrative fee. There's, I think, 5% on the purses. It's all very minimal for Brilliant Racing. Like, I'm doing this for fun. I want to be involved in horse ownership. I love being involved in every aspect of it, the management part of it, to an extent, the placement of the horses, going back to the barn. And I can't do this on my own. I mean, I just can't afford to have five or six horses on my own. For Natalie and Brandon, they want to build a name for themselves. Uh, Brandon wants to get in the bloodstock. Natalie does to a certain extent as well. She does a lot of stuff with social media and on the graphic side too, so they're looking at this as a possible career avenue. The only way you're going to build a reputation is by picking good horses and having them succeed. So this is an avenue for them. So Brilliant Racing is more of a stepping stone for them and more fun for me.
3: Uh, that, was, that was a very well thought out answer. Yeah.
4: Well, yeah, I gotta <laughs> s- speaking of well thought out, whoever put together your website, which is racing.com, by the way, is so thorough you know you mentioned the fact that you'd like transparency your faq on here and you know your mission financial strategy everything is super i feel like cut and dry and like here's what it is here's how we lay it out this is how it works so i have to give major kudos to whoever set this all up
0: well i'll tell you michelle we conceptualized everything i've been involved in horse ownership before Uh, We did go to other, you know, Little Red Feather, West Point, other websites. You know, we looked to see what kind of FAQ they had, what kind of questions people were asking. And I've been involved in horse ownership before, so we had a pretty good idea. But when the second partnership came around, we had a real feel for where our members were coming from. And we did a poll three or four months ago, you know, asking our members, where are we doing well? Where can we improve? What are some questions that you have? And after the year of experience, we were able to incorporate all of their feedback into our second partnership and make it even better and even more thorough. And, you know, I think transparency is a big part of it. I think a lot of people get involved in horse ownership. They have a bad experience. Somebody sells them a lemon because they're trying to cut their losses and they never come back into the game. We can't make any promises of success. Nobody can do that. But we will promise you that we're going to be honest. We're going to be transparent. We're going to work hard. We're going to make the experience affordable and fun for you. And let the racing gods kind of take over from there. But we're not going to buy a horse for 25 find out that it can't run, sell it for 50 and then, you know, nobody has a positive experience from that. That's why we collect the money first. And quite honestly, we don't have the capital to buy the horses first. So we collect the money first. We do the best that we can at the sale. And we just hope that people trust the process and that we do well for them.
3: Tell us a little bit about the branding, Joe, brilliant racing. Why? I mean, obviously you're a very intellectual guy, but what, what, (laughs) where does brilliant racing come from?
0: Well, that's great. I mean, Natalie's actually sitting next to me. We're driving to Cincinnati right now. We're heading to a a red game. We're going to see the maven there of of, of all people. Uh, We went through so many different possibilities for naming of the stable. And we just felt like brilliant is a word that's used in horse racing terms. Uh, It's a word that's used to describe colorful, creative, it kind of transcended the direction that we wanted to go. And between Natalie, Brandon, and myself, we all just kind of agreed on it. You know, it's there's no special meaning to it otherwise, uh, other than we just kind of felt it, it, it fit what we were trying to accomplish.
3: Can we talk to Natalie?
0: Yeah, you can talk to her.
3: Let me talk to her. Ask
0: her about the win okay, this week, Billy. On.
3: I will. Hi, Natalie. Hi. Hi, how are you? Natalie, you're on the horse ownership experience. We just got tired of Joe. He was way too good. I mean, we want to know, we want to know how you felt about his performance so far. Um, he gets a B. I
1: think he did all right. He gets a B? Yeah. She's tough, man. She's
4: like one of those clockers reports that horses never get A's.
3: Now, I, I read a lot on this website, and it said, like, you have been involved in horses your whole life. You love them. Give a, give us a little background on yourself. We, we're, we're running a little light on time, but tell us a little bit about yourself. We like to learn about everybody who comes on.
1: Sure. Um, I've, I started riding out horses at a very young age and um, to show horses, hunter-jumpers. And I've just always been involved, and I've always loved them um from new jersey i ended up moving to california and then um didn't really want to stay in california anymore and didn't really know where else to go and i kind of just landed in lexington um
3: and and okay let's let's go along (laughs) those lines how did you and joe meet now he did say you were his girlfriend is that correct
1: um yeah uh we just met there was such a hesitation there wasn't there
3: what's going on like, this is not The Bachelorette, Natalie. Like, what? I mean, are you dating or not?
1: Oh, yes. No, of course we are. Um, yeah, we, uh, you know, we met the modern day way uh, through online. Oh, um, which, which yeah. site?
4: Is there a horse <laughs> racing only dating website? Is it like, you know, like farmers only, but could it be like racehorse only?
1: That'd be amazing. Uh, there, There isn't one that I know of, but, you know, maybe there's a business Right. Proposal right there tell us <laughs> tell us
3: real quick we know you guys want to race and and this show i don't know if you know it's called the horse ownership experience tell us a little bit about the experience of was it your first brilliant racing win recently and i think maybe tell us a little bit about it
1: uh yeah so um we actually it's a horse that we had as a two-year-old and he's always been super promising and we've just run against really tough competition. So we decided to drop him. and um, none of us really had high hopes going in. He's a bit of a nervous type. So he came out into the paddock and he was completely sweaty and not acting very sane. But once he got on the track and the jock kind of just took a feet out of the syrups and let him look around and you could kind of tell he took a deep breath and, that was it, man. He ran a fantastic race, and we couldn't be more proud of him. Nice. Um, it was a little bittersweet, not bittersweet, but like we were just so afraid that he was going to get claimed. So I think a lot of us were pretty much hysterical.
3: Oh, that's funny. I was going to ask you that. It's not funny, but it, it is hard in a partnership sometimes. You build these horses up so much, and people have high expectations, but you said it, you know, he wasn't able to compete against better horses and you needed to put him in a place where he could win. But that's also nerve wracking where the partners, you said they were nervous. Did you get taxed? Why are we doing this? What happened there?
1: Um, no, I think, you know, everybody was pretty much in agreement that we just had to give them easier competition. And perhaps we gave them um, competition that was a little too easy. And but I mean, we sent him to Hawthorne from Fairgrounds, and he just kind of bombed. Um, I just don't think he liked Fairgrounds at all. I mean, not Fairgrounds, Hawthorne at all. So um, we just we just weren't we really just didn't know what to do with him. And like I said, he trains amazing every day. He loves to train. He's super sound. Um, we just hadn't been able to put everything together for him. And finally, it did come together. And we're just now he's safe. <laughs> we don't have to worry about losing him. And we're excited for the next what, race.
4: What was the celebration like when you made your way to the winner's circle? Look like you had a really good group on hand.
1: Um, like I said, there were a lot of people crying. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's awesome. And again... Billy, was, were you I there? Mean,
3: just... <laughs> yeah, Natalie, I cry every win. Don't worry about it.
1: Well, it was funny because we, we, we knew right away that he wasn't claimed, but it kind of took a second to switch from like, oh my God, we're going to lose him to like, oh my God, we just got our first win. And it was just kind of funny to look around and just seeing certain people crying. <laughs> but, um, it was great. I mean, it was, it was so exciting. And, and more importantly, I was just excited for the horse. Like he kind of had to save himself and he did, and he pulled through in a big way and um, the partnership needed that win. And, you know, we have another or other two, well, she's a three-year-old now, but we bought her as a two-year-old. She's running on Thursday and, you know, hopefully she has a similar performance.
3: Well, we wish both you and Joe all the best with Brilliant Racing, um, Natalie. I mean, you've now started this. We always end our show with a with kind of an important question, and we got rid of Joe because he knows how to answer it. But you know, I'm what kind sure of advice? Does. What kind of advice would you give to someone um, who's just starting out in the game as an owner?
1: Um, as far as advice, I would just say inform yourself. I mean, you just got to really kind of understand. The game, And if you don't understand it, you know, approach people who do. Um, I know, you know, I've been involved in horses in various industries, but, you know, they're really great people out there and they're really shady people out there. So the best thing you could do is learn as much as you can and, you know, find the people you trust.
3: Do your research. Great answer. Thank you, Natalie. Natalie, we really appreciate it. Joe, if you can hear me, we really appreciate you coming on the Horse Ownership Experience. We wish you the best of luck with Brilliant Racing. You can go to brillianthorseracing.com. They have a horse running Thursday. What's the name?
1: Yes, it's Ginger.
3: Yes, it's Ginger. Is she live? Uh, yeah.
1: she should run a pretty big race. Uh, All right.
3: We got Yes, It's Ginger on Thursday. We got Brilliant Racing, a new partnership starting out with Joe Kristefec and Natalie. Um, really, really appreciate Kills. you guys. That that was fun. Did you have fun?
1: I did. I did. Thank you for taking the time.
3: No, Thank we you appreciate guys. it. Thank you, guys. Good luck.
4: Thank you. Bye. And have fun in the nasty. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we will.
3: <laughs> All right. Brilliant. All right. Brilliant racing here on the Horse Ownership Experience. Michelle, good people. So I have, two, last
4: week we didn't get to an aftercare situation, so I actually have two for this week, and okay. one ties into them. So okay. the when they first um, were making brilliant racing one they've been trying to claim a horse they got out shook they you know couldn't get one they finally found a horse and they claimed him uh he ran a really good second he came back good he scoped clean they loved him his very first work he uh got a knee injury so he was done so their very first horse they ever claimed for their partnership had to be retired um but they went ahead and like part of their um, motto is, you know, we always take care of the horse first. So he went and got um, time out with Natalie and then um, Brandon Stobble's wife, actually, and his in-laws decided to adopt him. So now he's been rehabbing with them.
3: Wow. That's so cool.
4: Right? Great um, So the other aftercare story, since we're just talking about it real quick, uh, was yeah. Phil D'Amato had a grade one winner named Hunt And he ran, like, two weeks ago and just didn't run as great as he used to be. And this last week, there's all these pictures of him with his new owner, who is a seven-year-old little boy. It's the house's son or grandson. I'm not sure. I Um, saw that. But it's like he literally was racing two weeks ago, and he's standing there, like, with his head down, like, all right, kid, I got you. No problem. It is the coolest picture.
3: (laughs) It's a grade one winner with a seven-year-old on his back. I mean, it just shows you how special these horses are how much we care for them. You know, it's the hashtag I am horse racing, which has really gone viral. And and we had Christine Oliveira's Blacker on a couple of weeks ago to talk about that. Michelle, these horses are special, and they make an impact in people's lives. And that's why we do what we do. So that's uh, Billy's Soapbox for the day.
4: They are special. So that was a very, very cool uh, instance anyways. Um, uh, One one thing, Billy, you can maybe touch on. Um, Luis Saez getting a 15-day suspension from the Kentucky Derby.
3: I thought it was ridiculous. Um, You know, Joe brought it up about how disappointing the Derby was, but it's something we'll always remember. I think you and I have spoken on this ad nauseum. We don't need to talk about it anymore. I thought Mm -hmm. the disqualification was warranted. I also do not believe that Luis Saez really had too much to do with it. Um, Obviously, in my opinion, the horse spooked. It drifted out. He corrected it as quickly as possible. And the 15-day suspension, I thought, was a little over the top. I've heard people say, in fact, I heard a jockey um, say that it was maybe because he layered up. And, yeah, the stewards didn't necessarily like that too much. And that was the punishment for that. I just wish the whole thing was not fair. It's not fair. I, I, I didn't. I didn't like I heard a great theory on the derby. Also, Michelle, of why the stewards didn't post the inquiry sign. Did you hear this one? I don't know who said it. It might have been Doug O'Neill. I think I was talking to him the other day. If, I, if it was someone else, I apologize. They said that the stewards didn't post the inquiry because they were kind of hoping no one would just say anything. It would just go away. Right. Oh, you
4: think so? So they wouldn't so they wouldn't be forced into making a decision.
3: Right. Think about it. It kind of well, makes if it
4: was sense. up to Tyler Grathleon and Mark Cassie when they said, like, oh, we weren't gonna, you know, we we're seventh, right. what's it gonna do? They right. would
3: have. Well, think about think about it this way. So when you were watching the live derby, did you mm-hmm. say to yourself, like in normal races, ooh, something happened there?
4: No, I no.
3: I, I didn't either. I and saw, I yes I, and
4: no, I saw War of Will bobble. I did not see uh maximum security going out and making all that issue. So it was exactly. very slight.
3: Exactly. So uh, you know, for the general public, especially in a race like the Derby, where people by the time they're turning for home are going crazy and jumping around and screaming for their horse and looking for their horse, it was hard to see. And mm-hmm. there's a theory and it's, again, it's just a theory. I don't know this is fact, but I can see a case where the stewards just it's not like maybe they missed it, but they were like, yeah, something happened. Let's see, you know, if 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 anybody says anything, Right. Right. And then John Court and Pratt say something and now they have to look at it. So it made them look bad. They should have. They have all the angles. They're watching the race. They're watching the replay. This is what their job is. They should have put the inquiry sign up right away. And that would have solved a lot of these issues that people have, in my opinion.
4: Right. Because people are all mad now because it's like you took down a horse and you're suspending a rider for a ride. You didn't even you didn't even
3: even put an inquiry sign on. Right. Exactly
4: wow
2: that's
3: my point yeah
2: wow
4: um coming up this weekend at santa Anita. yeah uh it's a pre-channel is the preakness challenge so if you are a horse player then you can play on track or online but there is cash bonuses if you play on track just in case you're around three thousand dollar buy-in with a two thousand dollar bankroll and a thousand go to prizes it is contest races at uh Gulfstream, Santa Anita, and Pimlico, including Preakness, win play show, exact-to-try, daily double wagering, and you have to wager like a, the entire $2,000 bankroll. And there's some great prizes. So if you're a player, that's definitely something to do. If you're not a player and you just want to have some fun, well, it's also the Michelada Rumble on the infield. It is the Chandelier Room Party. It is the Preakness Trackside Package. There is the Cal Rods Car Show on Sunday as well. So tons of stuff going on if you're just looking for something to do uh, if you want to get your preak on. And then there is also, of course, uh, live racing. We do have some really big fields coming up this weekend. The what was the steak? The Las Barrera steak on Saturday and then the Desert Stormer stake on Sunday.
3: That's a lot of stuff at Santa Anita. And the weather is beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful right now, I can tell you that. But uh Michelle, great job getting Joe Christafek uh from Brilliant Racing, Brilliant horseracing.com Racing.com. Uh interesting new partnership, kind of low, low entry. Sounds like their margins are respectable. Um, check them out! Thanks to Santa Anita, Delmar. Really appreciate all you do for the show.
4: And oh, especially- by the way, Delmar announced their summer concert series oh, to country bands.
3: I was gonna say that. I do you want? Oh, I I lost it. Shoot! I had that email, and I was gonna uh, say that. Hold on, I got it. I got it. Okay. I got it. Uh, Reggae Fest with Ziggy Marley. Oh God! I just lost it. Darn it! What just happened?
4: Well, Chase uh, Rice is gonna be there, and he's one of the, he's a country guy.
3: Okay, then you got Midland. I think they're big. They're
4: country, yeah. Uh,
3: Trombone Shorty in Orleans Avenue, Friday, August 2nd. Uh, Iration, that sounds like a reggae. Yeah. Chase Rice.
4: Yes, he's uh, country.
3: Okay, then you go Soja, S-O-J-A, Soja. Is that Soja Boy? I don't know. Yeah,
4: right. And And then Steel Pulse, right? Steel Pulse,
3: yeah, Steel Pulse. So good lineup for the Del Mar 2019 Summer concert series
4: and then it did say stay tuned for more four o'clock fridays so i don't know if that means that there's going to maybe be some more um because if you'll notice half of these bands are saturday so um maybe they're doing like some like maybe they're doing fridays and saturdays i'm not sure
3: okay well maybe we'll have Craig Dato on he can tell us
4: right. Well, I'm just excited I had to like tweet him out like thank you Craig Dato for <laughs> making right. sure to come with some country man no,
3: that's great it's great and th- I didn't say thank you to t- our main sponsor uh, uh, TaylorMade uh, Taylor who who really does a great job and Travis White he's the man um, well I guess next week we'll be talking about Preakness who's your pick oh um... wouldn't it be fun to see War of Will win
4: yeah Yes, yes, yeah, it would. Mm-hmm. I would also like to see like always mining run well.
3: Okay, all right. I'm gonna go with War of Will. Okay. I'm just gonna. I think it'd be a good story for him to add, come back and and win the race. And uh... right,
4: he's the only horse there right now, by the way. Oh. So it's like ten thousand members of the media and War of Will.
3: <laughs> I'm sure Gary Barber likes that. He refuses to come on our show.
4: Why, Billy? Did you like not like? Did you tell know. him something I'm bad about our, with our show?
3: Maybe, we'll get, Maybe I, we'll get
4: Cecil. Cecil's quieter than Gary is. What's
3: your, what's your, all right. What's your favorite preakness of all time?
4: Um, Rachel Alexandra.
3: Oh, that was good. That was that really was
4: a great preakness. That, because I, you know what I loved was after Calvin had won the Derby on Mind That Bird, Donna Barton Brothers interviewed him and was like, Aren't you glad now Rachel didn't run in this? What happens if she goes to Preakness and he's like, oh, I already talked to my boys. Don't worry. She's not going. Well, of course, she ends up going to the Freakness, and then he has to make the decision. He chooses Rachel. I mean, it was just, it was cool. It was a great year and I loved that race.
3: I'm going to go with Affirmed Alley Dark part two or part like 11 really, but part, part, 11. Two. part two was, I mean, that was like Rocky too. For me, I mean that I bet race and and a fir- and Ali Dar went early. I mean it was just so great. Oh, I miss those days. Anyway, thank you to all our listeners. Mom, I know you're still listening. Thank you. Hang up now. We're done. Uh, horse ownership experience. Another great show because of Michelle U. You can tweet us at Own a Horse at the Michelle U at BKLRF or Billy Cutch Seventeen. Which one am I, Michelle? I can't remember. BKLRF.
4: BKLRF.
3: BKLRF. Tweet the show. We're trying to bring you guys new owners all the time so you get a, get a gist of what it's really like. Um, and we appreciate all the support and all the kind words and all the downloads. So keep up the good work. And we will be back next week to talk about the Preakness and uh, get ready for Delmar and Saratoga. How about that? Yay. All right. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye, guys.
0: You're listening to The Horse Ownership Experience with Billy Koch
2: and Michelle Yu, right here on L.A. Talk Radio. Midnight Storm, a brilliantly fast grade one winner by Pioneer of the Nile.
3: Mike Smith just points him in the right direction.
0: Midnight Storm dominating.
2: Millionaire and seven-time graded stakes winner on dirt and turf.
0: Midnight Storm over Accelerators, finding the line well, but not well enough. And Midnight Storm has taken it by two lengths.
2: From America's hottest sire line.
0: Midnight Storm, he wins it this year.
2: Midnight Storm, standing at TaylorMade Farm.